welcome back to The Catch. I'm your host, Michael Adams, and today is a very special day because I'm not joined by just one of my co-hosts, but both of my co-hosts, John Rahimi and David McCormick. Boys, how's it going? Greetings. Hello. Life is good, everyone. What's up? This is pretty monumental of us. I know we've done one podcast, all three of us. Uh, that was in the very, very beginning. You two are in the same place. Uh, oh, we've done two. John and David are correcting me. They know my, they know the podcast better than I do. That's okay. Either way, <laughs> it was on one night, which is why I say we've only done this one time. On one night. Um, but it was a little bit different. You guys were in the same room, but now we're all separated and we all have our own videos. It's just kind of a unique experience. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go. And I think we were talking about this before. This might be the most important podcast we've done to date. And I don't. I don't think that's a stretch to say either. I mean, it had to be a really important topic to get all three of us together at the same time. Yeah, yeah. This, this is true. Yeah, this came together in a text chain on like a Monday night. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> this has been a work in. This has been a work in progress for the past couple of years. I would say. You know, it's just been, it's been a small idea that's just evolved over time. You know, maybe it just really started, like the seed was in your dorm room, John. Those late night movie nights we used to have together, proceed into talks about life, about existence, about being. And it's just progressed now. And yes, it accumulated in a text message group a couple of weeks ago on a late Monday night. Yeah. And now here we are. Michael made a profound connection uh, to the three of us um with a simple image and it was very beautiful uh do you want to explain that image to the people yeah we would let's stop beating around the bush yeah I, I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering what image i depicted so you it might was... have to refresh me oh no all right so <laughs> the image was of um mr ping it was mr ping chopping a radish uh into baby Poe's mouth. Dang it, I can't even do this with a straight face. Chopping radish very quickly into baby Poe's mouth as he consumed it. And I think you made the connection that that's what our friendship is like, where we distill things. And that's what the podcast is like, where we cut things up and distill them and give them to people. Yes, and in that image, baby Poe is so joyful and grateful for the providential love of his adopted father. And it's very similar, I think, to our relationship at times where we're just chopping, sending stuff up and the rest of us are just sitting there just taking it in like, I cannot believe this is happening. This cannot be real life. Like this stuff is just so good. But yeah, I think and, honestly, our, our, go ahead, David. I was just saying, Michael, for those at home who don't know those characters by name, what, what are you referring to right now? You know, this is something that's, it's been probably the most influential cinematic experience I've ever had. And it comes in the form of Jack Black. And he plays this beautiful character named Poe in, I don't know, a, a once-in-a-lifetime movie series called Kung Fu Panda. Arguably the best animated trilogy, I think. How to Train Your Dragon's up there, but it's arguably the best. I would say How to Train Your Dragon is up there, but I, I don't know if it gets to the Kung Fu Panda level. It, yeah. Did you guys see it in theaters when it came out when you were kids? I did not. I remember no, going to I see it. No, I didn't. It was, it was a rewatch for me on Netflix. Oh man, yeah, I saw it in theaters, and I remember talking to about it, talking about it with my friends on the golf course. We were like in a little golf league when we were kids, and we were talking. And they were like, "That sounds really dumb," and I was like, "You have no idea. This was like the funniest <laughs> movie I've ever seen." And then my whole family went to go see the second one in theaters, which was hilarious. Like a bunch of like grown adults going to see, you know, Kung Fu Panda two. 
But yeah. these movies have weight to it. They do. They do. And that's why it's probably the most important podcast we've ever done because I don't think we've ever made this type of a connection between pop culture and our faith in, in this way. We, we've tried before. And I think a pretty a pretty good way to describe our friendship with one another, it kind of goes down into like <laughs> these types of random conversations about faith that come out of just thin air. And I do think that this is one of those instances where we watch a movie, we all really love it. And then I think this really comes from John. I think, David, you and I have done this in the past as well, but John, I think, has really rubbed off on us in the way of we watch a movie and we see some sort of element of faith in it. In some way, it teaches us how we relate to God and how we relate to other people in our life. And it's, it's kind of weird, I think, for probably the listeners to think that we could get there through Kung Fu Panda, but I want to reassure them that we will. And I want to emphasize the necessity for them to keep on listening to that. Cause I think, I think this might be one of the more entertaining podcasts we've done in a long time. Yeah. I just want to quote something really quickly. This is from Michael in our text chain. Oh no. <laughs> just to show you how much we love Kung Fu Panda. He said, let's only talk in Panda gifts from now on. And then for the next like three days, it was just a bunch of gifts of panda kung fu panda scenes, and it was hilarious. It was. I think we, we got our point across. We, we would we describe did. our prayer life. We would describe the events of our day to day life. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I go back to this this thing regularly. It's a baby panda trying to punch another panda, and it's hilarious. <laughs> what was the description that went with that photo? Uh, it was you trying to fight off Satan without Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> i freaking love it uh that that's going to be today's podcast preview it's already decided thank you yeah seriously no but i want to echo what michael said because it's true like uh you know this podcast we talk about a lot of i think interesting topics if you don't think so that's okay um but this one is like kind of for us and if you don't really care about it that's fine you know like don't listen to it whatever but it is i think something where people get uh, bogged down thinking oh you know you're just stretching it that's not really in the movie you're just reading too much into it uh, like people do with kids movies all the time i actually had an argument with your sister about that david um, oh yes that was um incredibles too uh-huh yeah, yeah. And i was actually reading an article today about this but i'm not gonna go into that point is <laughs> we love uh, you, Shana. we um we're not stretching things here it's not that like we go in and mean like the the director was trying to you know, present something Catholic here. It's like, probably not. But what we're doing is that we, we have filled our minds and our hearts with Christ, or at least we try to. Um, and so when we engage anything, we're seeing it with that lens. And so we are reminded of things in our faith um, from the things that we encounter in the film that doesn't, aren't necessarily directly related or even implicitly related, but it reminds us of something about the faith that then we can then start to think about and helps us reflect. So it always is drawing us and pointing us back towards the Lord. It's not necessarily in there, but when we fill ourselves with that, that's what we see in our life. That's what we try to focus on. Yep. A hundred percent agreed. Um, and I think with, with those that like a lot of the themes in, in these movies have, you know, the theme of, you know, like self-worth of fatherhood and love. And as we know, like those are not independent of God. So just because it's a movie about, let's say a panda, um, does not mean that you can't see those seams and how they might connect to our lives or our relationship with God. Yeah. yeah I couldn't have said it better, you two, and I'm not going to even try to expand on that because I think you guys hit the nail on the head there, um, which really I think is it's a good point for us to kind of set the ground, set the stage of you know where we're going into. 
But I think it's time for the show. You know, I th- there's a trilogy. We'll probably touch a little bit on all three. I know we've kind of discussed more with folks a little bit more on the first and the second. So I'm going to take us into the first one. Does anyone have a great desire to start us off? Legend tells of a legendary warrior. <laughs> no, I go um, ahead. Also, really quick disclaimer. If you haven't seen the movies, go see them. And then, maybe, and then maybe come back to the podcast. You don't have to watch them before listening, but it would probably help for probably context. Help. Yeah. It also doesn't enrich your life. That, is that too. I'll, I'll start us off for this first one, right. honestly. I think. Yeah, um, so to set the stage for the first one, as we know, uh, in the beginning, Poe is living with his adopted father and is working in his adopted father's uh, kitchen. And he's just kind of helping his, his father cook and his father's fattening him up because he's a fat panda, all these good things. But he has this inordinate love for this group of heroes called the Furious Five. Um, and they are these Kung Fu heroes, Kung Fu masters that protect his village, which I believe is called the Valley of Peace. And yes. he, he's sitting there and he has this inordinate love for this group. He's playing with action figures, figures, all these things. But I think when he looks at himself, there's this deep down longing for more in his life, that there has to be something greater for him, some sort of greater purpose. He sees these heroes and he sees their actions and he starts to look at himself and say, what is it that I'm going to do? What is my life going to be defined by? And I think that in the first instance is something that I think most of us have wrestled with is just looking at ourselves and looking at the way our lives are going and saying, and what am I made for? And then having this deep down desire that I am made for more. And I think this is just a reoccurring theme within Christianity and within our relationship with God is this inherent desire within our hearts to elevate ourselves to something greater and something beyond ourselves. And I think it's beautiful that they start the movie off with this, just this inner longing within him to be a part of something greater than just himself, just this panda in a kitchen. And I think in my own heart, I've often felt that I know that you both have as well. Yeah, it's something like, it's like the, we've all got our heroes. Um, and for us, a lot of times, I know we talked about this maybe a couple of weeks ago, but like you look at the saints um, and you can see them be like, wow, like I want to be like them. There's gotta be something more for my life. Like that I could be like these amazing people that I've read about. Um, you know, and I don't think we have saint action figures, but you know, if we did, you know, I think our window sills would also be lined with saint action figures. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of a cool, it is a cool way of starting off the movie and kind of placing you in that being like, Hey, don't you also the viewer desire something more in your life? Like Pope. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a really great transition right after that. Um, and if you have seen the movie, you're very familiar with the, the idea of the dragon warrior. And Poe just stumbles into this competition and almost accidentally becomes the dragon warrior. Not accidentally, because we know that there is a purpose to that, but he becomes the dragon warrior and no one understands why, not even himself. And I think this is the thing that really struck me the most within this first movie is when he sees himself, he still doesn't see the dragon warrior. He doesn't see that worth and he questions himself he questions his own identity he questions his own worth of am i really capable of this am i really capable of living up to this life that people have said i'm supposed to be living and i think that to me has rocked me to my core known chris in my own christian life of just this imposter syndrome of oh i'm not really what these people say i am i could never 
be like them. And even him, he's comparing himself to these other warriors we've talked about before that he looked up to his entire life. And if we get caught in that too with the saints where we compare our progress to the saints, and we compare ourselves to all these great holy figures and we see ourselves and say, how could I ever live up to that? How could I ever get even a fraction of that type of love for the Lord? No, definitely. And I feel like in that, in that imposter syndrome, like he feels um, inadequate and especially that uh, the people around him don't necessarily believe in him either. And I think with that just kind of shows from where he was starting off. And I can definitely agree that, yeah, that feeling of inadequacy and almost like why, why have I been chosen? Um, Even if it's a small part of like the Lord's ministry, why have I been chosen? Someone could definitely do it better. And I'm sure he thought like one of those, any of these warriors could be better um than i am so i definitely relate with that yeah the thing i was thinking of uh this morning um was that part when he tries to run away you know like where'd he go and he runs running down the stairs and then shifu stops him uh and they get in that argument and um poe goes like how are you gonna turn this into the dragon warrior and the shifu's kind of like oh yeah i don't know i don't know how to change that in the dragon warrior and kind of like pressures him again he's like how um and what i was thinking about was like okay um this isn't a perfect analogy um i don't really know who's who in this situation but there's this kind of like uh movement of our hearts that's like i need to like cram myself like you know putting like a circle into a square peg or a square Mm -hmm. into a circle peg um where they have this like poe if you're gonna be the dragon warrior you're gonna train just like these other five did but when we see the five, we see them introduced, the freest five. There's a monkey, there's a crane, there's a mantis, there's a tiger. And who snake. There's a snake. Thank you. <laughs> I swear I've seen these movies. Um, <laughs> there's these five and they all train in their own unique way. Right? They each have their section. We get to like go and see what they do in their section. Um, and it's unique to them based on their particular skill set. Uh, and they put Poe through it and he sucks at all of them. Like, yeah, no, duh. He's a freaking panda. <laughs> But then at the, like, towards the end of the movie where he gets to like do the training, it's because like Shifu sees, Hey, I've been trying to train you in the wrong way. Um, I haven't been using your skill properly. Um, so let's like actually work into that. And what's interesting, I think uh, it's not just like, Oh, play to your strengths. Um, it's actually like the wounded part for, for me, what stuck out was like his weight, if we can just call it that, like he's a fat panda. That's like a, that's a, that's a wound for him. That's something that's like shameful for him. He feels ashamed of being a fat panda. Um, Cause he's not as cool as the other guys. He wishes he had something else. Um, but that's what he has. And oftentimes I think we th- believe that Christ doesn't want to work into that. He'd rather us be this other thing. When in reality, it's like, no, he wants to like come into the mess there. Um, and then like shine through the wounds. Really? Like, it's not like the, I think a lot of times we think of healing, it's just like, like the wound is gone. But in reality, I think it's actually like Christ enters. And if you imagine like a heart with a bunch of slits in it, like Christ comes into the heart. And then when he shines through, it shines through that, um, that hole in the heart, the wound, but like in a solitary way where it, uh, it fills it with the light. So it's no longer like, uh, a flaw it's just actually something that like you can see christ more directly in there so you can see him precisely in the wounds and it's precisely because he's a fat panda that he can beat tai lung at the end and be the dragon warrior like that's what allows him to do it so it's actually in our woundedness that christ shines more 
more perfectly, even like on the cross, we see him uh, with his wounded side, like pouring out. We see his heart more clearly. We see who he is more clearly through the wounded side. So yeah, that is my probably one contribution to this conversation. (laughs) No, that's a good point that he, um, when he had started to accept who he is, he didn't want to like, I feel like he probably pictured himself to be, I need to get like, yeah, like I need to look like the dragon warrior and everyone would always like underestimate him. Um, But exactly as you said, he used what those were perceived wounds and flaws were to ultimately achieve his goal and ultimately become who he was supposed to be. It just wasn't what everyone was expecting. Um, But I do think that wounds are, um, I think it's a theme, honestly, across these movies. Um, And I'm going to go, I'm going to go on my little um, tirade here about some stuff that I found. Um, I kind of want to focus in on Master Shifu. So for those of you who maybe don't remember the name, Master Shifu is the one who is supposed to be training uh, the the five and he has to train Poe. But if you remember back, he trained bad, the, the bad guy, Tai Long. Um, and I was looking up just different things as like researching this and seeing like different ideas. And one of them uh, really stuck out to me that Tai Long actually represents Master Shifu's ego, that it shows his desire of power, um, his arrogance and him being prideful. Um, and that Tai Long is like representative of this. And then when, um, when Tai Long eventually like wants like the master scroll, Ugwe, and I know this is going to be a stretch to me. I think he kind of honestly represented God the Father. And you're going to have to give me a minute on this. But he says he says no. Um, and it's, in this case, he's saying basically no to Shifu's, um, to his ego and to his pride. Um, but Shifu actually obeys. Um, and then what? And then his, his ego lashes out and tries to, tries to take the scroll. Mm. Um, but when you see him in the, in the, the movie, he kind of honestly seems hopeless, right? He um, is kind of like a little bit jagged around the edges. He doesn't really feel like trying. He seems very distant. Um, and you can see that he seems wounded. And there is like that explanation that they give. Um, but you can only hold off like your ego and that pride for so long before Tylon escapes, right? And he comes back. And then it sets up this whole thing for preparing. Um, but Uguay ends up leaving. He, he turns into those leaves. Um, and Poe po represents that, I think, Shifu, his vulnerability, his hope, his joy, his love, things that honestly he might consider soft and does not seem to be part of a warrior. But when Ugwe leaves, now Shifu has to train Poe on his own. But he, he despises Poe, as he says, like for being weak, for being fat, um, for not taking things seriously. Now, honestly, I kind of connected that to how we despise those parts of ourselves, um, especially when we think that... Um, a battle is coming. We tend to despise those things that are weaker. Um, but he ends up embracing that and he ends up training um, Poe and he kind of finds that inner joy, that inner peace. Um, and I think that's kind of to bring it full circle in the final fight when Tai Lung comes, right? So Master Shifu says like, I'm going to stay here and fight. And if you guys remember, he's standing at the top of like the steps mm-hmm. and there's like a flash of lightning and, oh, suddenly, yeah, Tai Lung, and suddenly Tai Lung is there. And that's because like this, this arrogance, this pride, this feeling of independence, it never, it never really goes away. It all it takes is that one quick thing for it to be right face to face with you again. So now he's face to face with this. Um, and he, he can't defeat the ego on his own. And um, he ends up losing. And if you actually go back and watch that scene, you hear the dialogue. I think it totally like reaffirms this. And it's honestly, it's brilliant. 
And he like, he kind of spars with his ego. He loses, but Poe defeats him. Um, and Shifu kind of realized that he couldn't have done it on his own. And I kind of think that what it comes down to when uh, Tylen opens the scroll and he sees that it's himself, he was looking for an outward way of power um, where Shifu found it inside. He found, he, he addressed his weaknesses, that vulnerability that he'd been hurt before. Um, and that ultimately was what gave him peace. And kind of like how, how I connect that is his, his Shifu of once he finally is able to be open and vulnerable, um, that's when really he starts to make progress. And that's like when that healing occurs, if that makes sense. And also what stood out, what stood out to me and it happens in the fight um, that Tai Long is very understandably very angry. And Shifu just said like, I was just obeying. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what your guys' thoughts, but that's like, this is the end of my tirade. But that was something that really stuck out. It was like his transformation and how he, once he was able to kind of address like that vulnerability and that part and that love that then he was able to get where, where he wasn't able to get before. Yeah, he says something in the beginning of the second movie where we, I think we first time we see him in the movie uh, where he tells Poe, he's like, the day you were named the Dragon Warrior was the worst day of my life just the absolute words he like keeps going on and on uh and i was like look i get it he's like it was until i like learned to look at it like differently um and it's person and then he like goes and shows him the cool like inner peace move with the water drop that i'm sure we'll talk about but uh yeah. he does the, i think it's you're right like it's the, the interior movement where he's like um i don't have a good explanation for this but the interiority that's there and present that says like okay like this doesn't need to be like the worst thing in the world like these things that i look at like you said that i see as soft or incompatible with being like a warrior or a master of this art um then like the perfect saint or the perfect person uh if i can see those actually as a good thing that can help me to to grow then um through the grace of christ like through that interior healing then yeah it can um it can get you through that. No, definitely. And another thing that kind of stood out to me is when, you know, when, when Uwe disappears and turns into the leaves, mm-hmm. um, I think that's because he knew that if, if he would have stayed, they would have relied on him. Um, I also kind of just, I related to that like of times when we feel maybe abandoned by God um, or we don't, or we don't necessarily like feel his presence. Um, but we do know that we are going to have challenges in this life. And that was something that kind of stood out to me that like, Oh, why did, why did Uguay have to leave? And he left because if he wouldn't have left, Shifu would not have even accepted Poe or even addressed him. And because of that, he was able to kind of look like deeper in himself, which I thought was really cool. This is something that I've read too, that you just reminded me of David. Um, I, I literally just read this this afternoon. So it might be kind of, sketchy but either way I'm, I'm reading this book uh of Catherine of Siena the dialogues and God the Father is talking about why he gave us his son and he's saying you know how do you access the father and how can you actually gain access to him in this way that we desire um and oftentimes when we feel abandoned by God how do we actually access God and he says the only way to access him is through his son Jesus and we all know that Jesus the infamous words of the only way to the father is through me. Um, and the way that God, the father explains this is, is that to just with earth, the way it is and the human bitterness and the human fall, all these things, the only way that we can leave earth and elevate ourselves to being worthy 
of that love of Christ and the love of God is through pain. And that that pain is something that's guaranteed. But in God the Father, there is no pain. And so in God the Son, Jesus Christ, there is pain. And that's why we must go through him to access the Father, which I think trying to relate it back to what you just said there, as Uwe leaves and we're left with Master Shifu and we're left with Poe, again, it seems as if they've been abandoned. It seems as if all hope's been lost. But through the pain of accepting one another, accepting their self-worth, accepting their, you know, their own faults, their own, um, you know, inadequacies, somehow they're found to be strengthened and somehow they're able to be found in victory. And I think that's something that we always try to almost avoid. And that fear of pain and that fear of suffering is something that holds us all back in life and especially in faith, at least it does for me, I know. Um, and until reading that today, it was something that I really struggled with, just understanding you know, why can't I just have it? You know, why can't I just have salvation? And then why wouldn't it just be so much easier? And you read this and you learn that the only way to God the Father is through Jesus. And if we're going to go through Jesus, we are going to experience pain. And we're going to have to go and look ourselves deeply and really come into acceptance of our own inadequacy and our own suffering and just be able to accept that. And I think that's just something that you reoccurringly see in these movie series is just whether it's Poe, whether it's Master Shifu, whether it's Tigress, literally every single one of these characters goes through some sort of an identity, identity crisis and has to accept whether it's their own weaknesses or the weaknesses of those around them and the strengths of those around them. And it's a very humbling experience throughout the entire series. Yeah, dude, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. That's really good. The, um, there are three things that, that made me think of, all from the second movie. So let's talk about our favorite, our favorite peacock. Oh, yes. Lord Shen. Also, okay, real quick tangent. Have you guys ever heard of peacock before? Like what they actually sound like? No. There's a wild peacock that lives at my aunt's house every once in a while. Really? Dude, they're like the most annoying sound in the world. It's like, ah, ah. That's what they sound like. It's hilarious. Anyways, go look it up after this. Um, It's, (laughs) so, okay, what Michael was saying though, he, um, there has to be this death, right? And like the suffering and that's how we, we come to it. And, in the second movie, as they're traveling to Gongman City, posing the boat, right? And he's like trying to do the, the inner peace thing. Um, so I think like that's that movement towards God where there's no, there's no suffering, there's no pain. There's like, I mean, granted, that's, that's like heaven, like really coming to that place. That's the beatific vision. But he's kind of like practicing this. How do I get in touch with that? How do I find this peace and trust in the Lord? Um, he's trying to do it and he fails. He gets distracted by the water droplets hitting him. And then Tigress comes out and he's like, how do you, how did you get so like hardcore and like, you know, solid um, where you're not like disturbed by these things, by suffering and pain. She's like, I punched a tree for like 30 years. And he's like, Ooh, yeah. Like, is there like a quicker, easier way to, to get around that? I don't, I don't have to do that. And he's like, she's like, uh, no, <laughs> he's like, dang it. Okay, fine. Um, so uh, actually I think she says um, immense like suffering that's what shifu talks about in the beginning of the movie where he's like it was the immense suffering of dealing with you that i didn't want to deal with that's mm-hmm. what it was damn this movie's so good okay um then he dies in a way right he gets blown up by like a cannonball and shot into the river like there's yeah. a real there's a real death um and then we find him being brought nursed back by the the crazy soothsayer goat lady um and then he has that experience where he kind of goes through the his woundedness and then what happens at the end? This is what Michael you were talking about, where it's like we a lot of times we see like the the suffering is like the worst thing that can happen to us, 
um, or something, that's, and it can be the thing that holds us down. And I think Shen sees it as that because he tells Poe at the end, right? He says, how did you come back? I scarred you for life. He's like, I inflicted so much pain and suffering on you that you should never have been able to come out of that. Like you're dead and you should have been like uh, muted and pathetic for the rest of your life because of that suffering that you endured. And then he's, and then he says the greatest line in the whole freaking movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, That's the thing. Scars heal. He's like, no, they don't. Wounds heal. He's like, oh yeah. What do scars do? They fade, I guess. But it's like, it's, it's just this beautiful progression, right? Of like what, how Poe goes through suffering and then what, how like Shen embodies this idea of suffering where it's, this is the worst thing that can happen to you. And you should just like, you should fall apart if it, if it inflicts your life. Uh, and we see that no, through that suffering and death can come a resurrection and a new life of peace and joy in Christ. Mm-hmm. And going off of that, I think about these memories. Cause in that second movie, we have Poe who is haunted by these mm-hmm. memories. He's having these nightmares of his mother. Um, he's having these nightmares of his parents being raided by, um, I can't remember the name, but getting raided and essentially killed. And these wounds keep coming up. And these memories, again, are haunting him. But in the end, suddenly these memories aren't haunting him. And it's, it's an interesting transition between the two. They're almost empowering. And again, stealing Catherine and Sienna's words here, um, talking about the memory. When we have these memories, it's almost these haunting Every time we touch them, they just echo and they just rattle us to their deepest core. Mm. But Poe, likewise to us, when he comes to understand the inner peace, comes to accept all of these things, fills these memories with something else that when they're touched, they no longer rattle. They no longer resonate within him. They might hurt and they might sting, but they no longer dehabilitate him. And in the same thing, I think with our relationship with Christ, I think oftentimes we have these memories in our past life. I know us three have talked about this many times, memories of our past that have haunted us still to this day. Yeah, continue on to. But I think all of us have also experienced that when these memories are now filled with the love of Christ and when we embrace that and invite Christ into those wounds, which is maybe the most influential thing you've ever said to me, John, is truly like inviting and taking time to invite Christ to walk through that pain with you when we start to allow him to do that and we fill those resonating jugs of pain in our heart with the love of Christ, suddenly when those jugs are touched, they don't resonate. They don't pain us. They don't hurt us nearly as much. They might shake a little bit and they might rattle, but they're no longer shaking us to our core and they no longer debilitate us and immobilize us from moving anywhere forward. And like somehow in the same way with Poe, he's having these terrible memories and rightfully so, watching his entire village be persecuted and murdered. And now suddenly that's become his power because he's been filled with this deep inner peace and this deep knowing of who he is and where he's from. And it doesn't come though until he truly encounters that because the entire movie he's trying to escape and he's trying to avoid it. He hates these memories. And then finally he comes into embracing them and actually looking them in the eye and saying, okay, there's true pain here. And I have to come to accept this pain. I have to come to accept this suffering. And like you guys said, it doesn't mean there's anything soft or unlikable about his character or who he is or that he's feeling pain. That doesn't mean make him any less of a warrior. Although oftentimes we think it does. It's a matter of just taking our time and walking through those, inviting Christ into those and allowing him to replace those bad memories with memories of his love and memories of his redemption. In, in that, those, yeah. In those, in, in those, yes. Yeah, yeah. That in itself 
leads us into that same inner peace that Poe experiences at the end. Yeah, because she even says it right. Like she's he like stops when he starts remembering it at the he's then he's kind of like freaks out and she's like no mm-hmm. like let it let it let it flow mm-hmm. and then she like starts to go through yeah that's really beautiful yeah and if you do not um i think it just kind of shows us that he was able to finally address those um and you can't really i know we've talked about this before but like you can't really start to heal you can't really start that process until you invite christ in right and i know we've talked about it before that it might not even start to go well um but just even starting the process of inviting him in and it's going to bring you closer to him. Uh, and I just want to do a quick comparison of how he deals with his, his wounds. And you guys have talked about it. And honestly, a very beautiful and probably to go back and listen to this, um, just about just wounds and, um, and healing and our, and our pain. But you look then um, how Lord Shen dealt with um, his past and they're kind of two sides mm. of the same. Like for Lord Shen, he um, he was very ambitious um, and he made a mistake and massacred a lot of pandas, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but he he was turned away by his parents and you can tell that really wounded him um, and it hurt. And you can see that he's tormented the entire movie. If you go back and you look like he's tormented the entire time, he's constantly reassessing and he's kind of put himself on this path and he can't get off of that path. Uh, and he he was hurt really badly, and he he never really stopped to face it. Um, instead, he's just chasing the he's chasing the future. He's chasing this idea of what success looks like. He's trying to make up for it in different ways. Um, at the end of the day, like he never he never forgives himself, and he never forgives his parents. And there's a point where the soothsayer is talking to him, basically saying like that your your parents loved you, and it pained them. And you can see that he, his eyes kind of soften for a little bit before they harden again, that he won't even address these memories. He's going to keep on going forward with his path of destruction. And this path creates his own destruction. It's, it's his own demise. And even if you look at the small things of like um, the cannons, he was shooting the cannonballs at Poe and Poe is turning them. Poe who has addressed his wounds has let, we're saying a figure to be like, let Christ in. He's turning these things back. And um, so he, his own weapons, Lord Shen's own weapons are coming back and hurting him. And then that final fight, um, if you look closely, Lord Shen, when he, you know how he dies by the cannon falling on him, mm-hmm. when he's fighting, he's actually cutting the ropes yeah. of the cannon. Poe is just ducking and getting out of the way. He's cutting the, every t- miss he's making, he's cutting the ropes at the cannon. And then finally he turns and the cannon is falling on him. And as we've seen, he's a, he's a fast peacock. He could have, he probably could have gotten out of the way. Instead, he, he closes his eyes yeah. and he just accepts it. And you yeah. see this, this, this pain, this torment, this almost self-hatred. And it's really tragic that he never, he never addressed it. He never um, forgave himself. He never asked for forgiveness. And even when Poe offers it, um, he, he can't accept it. Yeah. Did you guys see, um, have you watched Soul yet? The Not yet. Movie? No, I have not. Okay, I just watched it yesterday. Um, but what you're saying, like, it's kind of like this, uh, like, monomania where he's just so focused on one thing, which is like his power and like rule. Cause I think it's like the prediction is that someone else is going to rule in your stead. It's going to be like this panda is going to defeat you. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to be on top. So that can't happen. Um, and then his whole life is defined by that, right? He's like, 30 years I've waited for this moment. It's like, dude, you've been thinking about the same thing for 30 years. What the heck's wrong with you? Um, but he's so hyper-focused. And that was something that the 
soul the movie um actually draws out really beautifully um they talk about lost souls in that movie and the lost souls are the ones who are just like they have imploded on themselves on this like what they're hyper focused on like this one idea this one issue fear whatever and they just become like stuck um and like covered and they can never they can't get out they just get lost um in this kind of wasteland and they're alone like shen is alone he doesn't have his parents he doesn't have family he's just this crazy peacock running around trying to take over his city um but like great that's like what happens to lost souls is when we get hyper focused on one thing and we can't allow ourselves to see the the richness that the lord wants to provide in his way um that's something i've been praying about a lot recently it's just like how can the lord is inviting me to see the way he wants to enrich my life through something that i'm looking to be enriched by but just in his way and it's very different from the way that i want it to be Mm-hmm. I think this inordinate love that we keep discussing about these, yeah. this one focus. Yeah. And we keep thinking like, this is the one thing that'll satisfy us. If we had this one thing, yeah, life would be the exact way I always dreamed it would be. And I think oftentimes, like, again, we look on ourselves, like, how can I satisfy this deep down desire, this deep down need of mine? And it reminds me of the multiplication of loaves and fish. And just like the scripture said there, where, you know, Jesus breaks the bread multiplies the bread, Mm -hmm. multiplies the fish, feeds the thousands. And the scripture, what it says is all ate and they were all satisfied. Um, I just think that one little line, they were satisfied. Yeah. Just what is, what is, uh, is it Philip or Andrew before that says, um, what good are these mm -hmm. for so many? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes we often look at the same way with the Lord, like one, there are so many other people who need things. Why would he bother satisfying my need? Yeah. Two, oftentimes the thing that satisfies us is much different than the thing that we want to or that we envision would satisfy us. But I think it's one of those things that's been kind of, I don't know, really resonating within my own prayer life of just really taking it to the Lord and saying, Lord, I trust that you will satisfy me however you mm-hmm. see fit, not how I see yeah. fit. And I think it's one of those things that in these movies, these these characters have no ability to just trust in anything outside of their own Klein in their own fight and their own strife with others in the same realm of our own life. Again, we get fixated on these one things that will, of course, I had that one thing, my life would be everything I ever dreamed of. And now we have to slowly rewire our brain to knowing the Lord will satisfy me. He will not let me go hungry. He will not let me go thirsty. I will be satisfied. And it's scary to have, um, to have that type of dependence and to, to seek those things, um, to seek those things that are coming, not necessarily from external things that you can grasp. Um, and I think that goes um, really quickly back to the first movie that like when Tylon opens a scroll, he's used to finding like his power and his purpose on things like tangible things he can grasp. And when he realizes that it's internal or like this in our relationship with God and it might not be what we've expected he can't even understand it it's not enough for him so I definitely understand with that and it's a hard thing I'll admit to grasp of being like we want to be satisfied how we see fit um and it's hard to it's hard to have that trust in the Lord of like how I will be satisfied it might not be what I think and it's really hard to let go of that it's beautiful to see the way that he then like when Poe gets the scroll there's two responses you get to receiving that that thing um, one is anger, which is Tai Long's, right? He gets angry and lashes out because um, he's so maniacally focused on that one thing. 
Um, but Poe's response is I mean, kind of confusion at first, right? Which I think a lot of us have when we receive like what God is giving us. Like, oh, like, okay, what, what am I supposed to do with that? Um, and then he, but he sits with it uh, and he goes to his dad, Mr. Ping, who is the least likely source, right? To like help him through that. And his dad is the one who like points him towards the thing. Um, so I guess the, the difference I'm trying to point out is that uh, it's relationship is that Poe discovers what God is, is doing and inviting him to in relationship. I mean, God, the scroll, whatever the scrolls, it, the message is through the relationship with his father. Um, he receives it right in this kind of like personal way. And then in relationship, it, it fleshes itself out. Um, it takes on flesh. Then Tai Lung's is a, I'm going to get this thing and it's just going to be my experience and I'll read it myself and then I'll have it. There's no, there's no relating there. So for us, it's like, when we go to pray, we receive something from God. We then need to go out and actually live it. It's not just like I go to the chapel to be like recharged, like a battery. And I don't need to, I don't need to have that fleshed out or grown in relationship. Um, which means like when we go to pray, like we have to take the things of our daily life back to prayer. And it's kind of this continual back and forth process of like, I receive from God. I go and live it. I experience those things. I bring it back to God. And then he helps me work through that. So it's just, it needs to be in relationship, right? Because as Michael said at the beginning of this, we experience God through the person of Jesus Christ incarnate as a man. We don't have a unmediated relationship with the father. So we need to have mediation through the person of Christ and to the members of his body, which are other people. I got nothing else. You guys, I, that's, this seems pretty good. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> one I, than I thought. One more thing. Um, and that's, um, going back to like the second, um, a second movie and our favorite Peacock, Lord Shen. Um, I just, I, I thought of like when him, that when he had set along the path, um, there were many opportunities where he could go back and even like where he could save himself and he didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just thought of, I, and I, and I had said it before that he hadn't forgiven himself. And I kind of thought about sometimes us and like, in our inclination to sin, um, and our, our, our faith, like our lack of faith then on that we will still be loved in that sin. Um, and even more like in the forgiveness and yeah, he never, he never searches out for that forgiveness. And I know sometimes like in the past, um, if I feel like I've been like doing something bad, sometimes I'll even just like avoid confession, mm. um, which you think is, is hundred percent counterproductive. Um, but it's, it's addressing then it's addressing that past, um, and having that faith, but Shen is offered forgiveness, um, even at the end by Poe, and like it does not seem like he he even deserves forgiveness, but he can't even like fathom accepting it. Yeah. Um, and he yeah, he's just so wounded, and he's just so focused on that, um, and he just has not he has not forgiven himself. He can't possibly think that someone else could. Um, and that was just I thought was a really good representation of sometimes we can in our in our wounds we can turn away from God, and we can almost feel like embarrassed um, of that. I think of almost like um adam and eve feeling yeah just like embarrassing embarrassing and shamed in the garden uh and just knowing that that the inclination that there's always there's always forgiveness and no matter how we're perceiving ourselves in that moment it's not how the lord's perceiving us in confession two weeks ago i was talking to a priest about this idea of you know how do we come to really accept that forgiveness and truly forgive ourselves after certain events and something really 
monumentally said to me was one, we have to remember how easy it is for God to forgive us out of his love and out of his goodness. And then two, we have to remember how badly he wishes to forgive us and how badly he wishes to share that mercy with us. Yeah. Cause oftentimes I think we look at it and say, why would he bother with it? Why would he care? Why would he ever want to share that gift with me? We have to remember how easy one it is for him to forgive and two, how badly he wishes to actually do that and how badly he wishes for us to return. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's all we have here for today. So if you haven't seen Kung Fu Panda, your awesomeness. Uh Connection. (laughs) Yeah. If you haven't seen the movies, go see them. We didn't spoil anything about Kung Fu Panda three. True. Maybe purposefully, maybe in, not but either way we didn't talk about master chicken dang it whatever (laughs) that's john's favorite character john's that is john's spiritual animal um but yeah thank you guys for listening as always it's always an honor to have even just a few of you listening to the three of us ramble so please pray for us we will continue to pray for you if you have any questions feel free to reach out at the catch cc at gmail.com and just before we go two quick words the first one is from our friends over at covenant eyes and their porn fighting software if you or anyone you know is tr- struggling with this right now and would like deliverance from this temptation um, and this addiction, make sure to check out them using the link in the description and use the code CATCH30 for a 30-day free trial, especially now coming up on Lent. That's a great resource to hold you accountable if this is something that you are considering doing at that time. And lastly is from our friends over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries. Um, make sure to go check them out and use our code CATCH10 for 10% off any rosary on their website. They're very durable. They go to a good cause and they're a great small Catholic business to support. And yeah, that is all we have for you today. So until next time, have a nice life. Peace. Peace. Jinx. Inner peace. Inner peace. <laughs>